Thank you for tuning in to Voice of Islam Jamaica. The following is a recorded program of a live show. Please do not call in, but feel free to send messages on our WhatsApp line at 876-283-9533. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. May the peace and blessings of God be unto you. Hello dear listeners, welcome once again to Voice of Islam. Here at Voice of Islam we seek to educate the general public on issues, concerns and questions they may have about the religion of Islam. I am your host Imam Ibrahim Fawson. Voice of Islam is sponsored by the Ahmadiyya Muslim community and for the knowledge of the new listeners, the Ahmadiyya Muslim community is one of the over 70 denominations in Islam which believes in the advent of the reformer of the age in the person of His Holiness Mirza Ghulam Ahmed. Spread across over 200 countries, the Ahmadiyya Muslim community is a peace-loving religious organization which rejects any form of violence against God's creation. Our motto is love for all and hatred for none. On Voice of Islam today, we are looking at how we can uh, collectively um, survive the threat of the coronavirus. Um, certainly, this coronavirus has come to stay with us and um, by whatever way we look at it, it's going to remain in our history uh, books. But as to whether we win the battle or we lose it, it depends on the actions we take from today. As we speak now, there are over 1.8 million people worldwide who have been infected by this um, deadly disease. And unfortunately, over 110,000 people globally have lost their life. Our survival on Earth as humanity is under threat. And if we don't take the needed actions, we might uh, be on the uh, dark side of history as, as, as humanity. And um, this is a time that we need to come together as, as, as citizens to do every little bit that we can to ensure that uh, collectively we survive this um, pandemic globally. The medical staffs are doing their part. Our religious communities should also be doing our parts. There are several steps we can take, we can adopt as citizens to overcome uh, the challenge which is confronting all of us as a people. In his recent Friday sermon, the worldwide head of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community advised members of the community globally, particularly those in businesses, to um, do whatever they can not to make profits or not to capitalize on the crisis to make profit and I think this is um, a right call that all religious communities should encourage their followers because if we succeed we succeed together and if we think if we are defeated we are defeated together but one thing we need to know is that no matter how and how long we are able to defeat this crisis it has come to teach us a lot of lessons there are several 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 things we used to take for granted and with this crisis we are learning a lot and i believe by the time this crisis is out of our way 
every single individual would have learned some valuable lessons you know from it by either from the way we treat our fellow human beings our attitude towards our creator our attitude towards the environment generally when we used to get outside from our various homes to transact our businesses and come back most people wouldn't feel that um it was something that they needed to render thanks on people thought that uh, it was something so common everybody is doing everybody goes out and comes so if i go out and come back what difference does it make but by being under lockdown for a month and in some cases in some countries two months the next time people step on the street they would value how important the freedom to be on the street and the freedom to be with one's loved ones is and with that in that they would uh, you know render the necessary thanks and also take care of the environment because it is the only thing we have here as humanity today i'm delighted to be joined by imam maksud ahmed the president and missionary in charge of our community the ahmedia muslim community in guyana and since this um crisis is of global nature and global has a global effect we would take his views on some of the things you know the community is doing there in guyana even the situation how the situation looks like in guyana and some of the steps they are taking and collectively some of the things we can do as humanity to help collectively defeat this pandemic so joining me from guyana over the phone is imam maksud ahmed imam maksud if you can hear me assalam alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh and welcome to voice of islam jamaica wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh thank you very much for inviting me yes um i stated that um coronavirus has come to stay with us and whether we like it or not is going to be part of our history and the situation is a global crisis now there is virtually not a single country left out without having recorded a case what is the situation in guyana and um how are members of the community doing over there yes so far in guyana uh, we have about 45 cases confirmed cases and uh, about 6 six people have died because of coronavirus the very first case was discovered um on 11th of march when one lady passed away uh, who had traveled from new york and after her that the she was test she was tested uh, positive with the coronavirus so this is how you can say it began spreading in guyana um that is that is that is um unfortunate but then i think we also recorded our first case on the 10th of um uh, march and as i speak now jamaica has over uh, 60 um cases now looking at this coronavirus right from how it started a couple of months ago nobody had any information about it nobody knew the threat we were going to uh, meet and everybody was on their business and then from nowhere um we heard there was um a virus in in china called uh, coronavirus which now has uh, been given the name by uh, world health organization as covid-19 
some medical experts uh, experts believe that um, it started in Wuhan in China, which has become a public knowledge. But then they attribute the origin and the source as due to the unregulated eating habit in that particular area in China. Uh, so to say that um, almost some people eat everything and they believe that that could be the source of this um, deadly virus. If that is how the case is, then it is very serious. Um, what does Islam say? What regulations does Islam give in terms of controlling what we eat so that we don't get into um, such troubles? Yes, thank you very much. Actually, that is a very good question because if we um, understand this thing, the Islamic concept, uh, we would realize that Islamic teaching actually really protect us right from the beginning, you know, before even uh, starting the, uh, before the problem actually starts. So there are a couple of theories. One is that the virus has come from bat, and one is that from bat it tra transferred to swine, uh, to pork, and from pork meat it entered to the human body. So if we look at Islamic teaching, we realize that uh, both of these things are forbidden. Wild animal that as you know in is being sold in Wuhan wet market a lot of wild animal that they are selling and people are eating that is forbidden in islam um, there are many verses but uh, i will just pick one verse and mention as a as, a, as an example and this is from chapter 2 verse number 173 to 174 god almighty says that is that is from the from the Holy Quran, from you the mean? Holy Quran. Okay. Yes, from Holy Quran. He has made unlawful to you only that which dies of itself, and blood, and the flesh of swine, and that on which the name of any other than Allah has been invoked. But he who is driven by necessity, being neither disobedient nor exceeding the limit, it shall be no sin for him. Surely Allah is most forgiving, merciful. So this verse categorically forbid Muslims to eat the flesh of swine, the blood, or any animal that dies itself because it is not healthy. It's not, and you know, basic concept is that whatever you eat, you know, it affects you. Sure. sure. So you know, there's a famous saying: "You are what you eat." So in Islam. Uh, is high emphasis is put on what we eat, how we eat, everything is are told to us in detail. So we use these terms in Islam, haram, halal. Those are okay. main two terms. Haram means forbidden. So flesh of swine is forbidden. Blood is forbidden. Certain animals, they're, uh, you know, they're forbidden. And then there's halal. Halal mean, meaning they are lawful we can eat them like chicken uh, you know goat um, those kind of animals they are lawful but there's another term it's called tayyab tayyab meaning pure so an animal can be halal meaning you know it will be permissible for us to consume but it may not be tayyab meaning it may not be pure for us to eat so those who are um, you know, believers, those who are on higher spiritual level, 
they actually avoid even those kind of lawful things which are not pure for themselves. For example, eating garlic or uh, onion, Holy Prophet never ate those things. He said, this is not because angels talk to me. Angels communicate to me. He said that I, I do not consume those things. Uh, so, you know, that is one thing that uh, that can come into an in effect uh, in the life of a spiritual person, in the life of a believer, when he is communicating with God or angels. So this is the Islamic concept. So in general, even if you're following the minimum, you can still be safe from, you know, these harmful things that may come from pork or from bats or those kind of wild animals because those are forbidden in Islam. But even if we look at Bible, Holy Bible, we see that these things are forbidden. So if people even follow Holy Bible, they would be saved from any problems. Oh, okay, example, so you, 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 you're saying that um, um, these foods that the Holy Quran has forbidden, which um, under the Islamic term is called haram, which means people are not supposed to eat those food. Um, there are there is a verse or some verses in the Bible which also prohibit uh, people from eating same food also in the Bible. Exactly, exactly. Okay. So I'm I'm going to present one reference from the okay. uh, the Old Testament from the book of Leviticus chapter eleven, and in the chapter eleven, the verse number eleven. Um, uh, sorry, the verse number. Two, three, four, and up to eight. These verses talk about that the flush of swine is forbidden for us. Okay. It's a long reference, sure. but I'm just summarizing. The words are, and the swine, this is the verse number seven. And the swine, though it divides the hoof, having cloven hooves, yet does not chew the cud, is unclean to you. Their flesh you shall not eat, and their carcasses. You shall not touch. They are unclean to you. So it is clearly forbidden in the Holy Bible. And then I was looking at the bat too. Is there any clear um, instruction? So on the verse number 13, it says, And these you shall regard as an abomination among the birds. They shall not be eaten. They are abomination. And then there's a list of those birds. Okay. And the last bird that is mentioned, and the bat. So bat wow. is also forbidden. In the Holy Bible. So if anybody is following the Holy Bible even, they will be saved because these laws are given by God for our own good. So if we follow those things, we will be saved. Thank you. Thank you very much, Imam um, Maksud. So um, if I should, um, you know, summarize everything you have said in your first um, response to um, why there is a need to regulate what we eat, you are saying that um, Islam gives, I mean, uh, clear guidance on what to eat and what not to eat. And um, you quoted, you said there are several verses in the Bible, uh, sorry, in the Holy Quran, but then you quoted just one, chapter number two, verse 174, which talks about some of the food that Muslims are not supposed to eat. And it is very unfortunate if this situation we are going through is as a result of what somebody felt that they can eat, and sometimes in such matters, people think that it is their freedom. They eat what they like. So nobody has any business, um, you know, commenting about what they eat. However, when um, they 
uh, get contaminated, they infect almost everybody and it becomes a global uh, challenge. You also mentioned um, a verse from the, um, the Holy Bible in the book of Le Leviticus, and uh, you started from chap uh, verse number, I mean, chapter number 11, verse number 7 up to 13. And then in the 13, you mentioned the bat, which um, people attribute this um, coronavirus thing to, which is also the Bible says should not be eaten. Um, there is another concept. Of course, people believe, scientists are saying that this is what uh, might have come. But then there is another concept that this coronavirus is none of the above. It's none of what we spoke about. But then people are thinking that um, it, it is a possible biological weapon that people created in a lab experiment which might have gone wrong. Of course, we don't subscribe to that um, assertion. But then since it is something which is um, in the public knowledge and um, also in the media and has also become uh, you know a topic of accusation and counter accusation between China and USA as to who um, brought that virus can we uh, can you take us through what the guidance I mean in Islam is concerning why there's not any need to put ourselves into such unnecessary you know calamity if indeed this was um, created by human beings ourselves that there are some theories conspiracy theories saying that this is man-made and this is like a biological war um, Allah knows best we don't know as yet sure but I'm saying the time will tell us what is the truth behind it but if it is the biological weapon if it is created by man so Allah says clearly in the Holy Quran in chapter number two, verse number 196, and spend for the cause of Allah and cast not yourself into ruin with your own hands. So this verse, this portion, and cast not yourself into, the, into ruin with your own hands. It's a fundamental principle in Islam that we should not put ourselves, uh, that will harm ourselves. Okay. So by extension, anything that can harm us or any human being in any, in any way that is forbidden in Islam. It is, you know, strictly forbidden in Islam. So if this really happened, then again, you know, according to Islam, it should not have happened. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, you know, whether it belongs to the first theory as um, some scientists are claiming, or as others also claim as biological weapon, whether it was from the bat or it was from the Wuhan market or whatever it is, it is with us now. So what we exactly. have to do as humanity is to try to find solutions to it. Um, in situations like this, as a spiritual leader and also um, imam of um, a very reputable religious organization, what would be your, I mean, your thoughts on, I mean, spiritual remedies for such crisis? I mean, a crisis. Is there, is there, I mean, any spiritual remedies for such um, crisis and pandemics? Exactly, there is actually in Holy Quran and the things of the Holy Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. There are a lot of, there are a lot of quotation, a lot of verses that guide us how we can protect ourselves, how we can save ourselves uh, from these kind of 
crisis or you know during the time of pandemic or any and in fact any kind of trial so as a general rule islam in the holy quran allah says that is from chapter 8 verse number 34 and allah would not punish them while they sought forgiveness so okay. that is a fundamental principle in islam that if human beings if we seek forgiveness of allah then allah will not punish us this is very beautiful verse that shows that god almighty is merciful he will forgive us and he will not punish us and even in the holy bible i was you know going through holy bible and sure we know the famous prophet prophet jonah yeah who was sent to his people and uh, he was sent as a warner that you will be destroyed within 14 day, 40 days and what they did they fasted they you know they cried become humble they and allah forgave all of them sure and there were more than 120000 people the whole town was forgiven and because of that you know prophet jonah he he was surprised that first god told me they will be punished and then <laughs> now they're forgiven yeah so he was surprised and he was angry but god told him no i'm merciful and he himself said that you are merciful so god almighty is very merciful and he can uh forgive uh and how so this is one way that we should seek forgiveness uh, uh from allah the almighty god the merciful god and he will forgive us the other thing is so that is a prayer the prayer and seeking forgiveness the other thing is that by giving something in charity that can also save us from the calamities and there is a saying beautiful saying of the holy prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam it is narrated uh, that messenger of allah said guard yourselves against the fire even if it be only with a with half a date fruit given okay. in charity so even if you give half a date you know the date is a fruit that even if it is not a full fruit meaning sure. that you any person even a poor person give something in the way of god almighty as a charity as you know as a donation god almighty will can save him from the fire fire is one word it could sure. be spiritual sure. fire it could be you know physical fire could be any calamity that may fall upon any person then another thing he also said in the same hadith and if you cannot afford even that you should at least say a good word so if somebody is so poor that he cannot even give anything in the way of god as a charity as a donation at least he can say a good word and that good word will be charity on his or her behalf okay. so by giving charity that is another way that we can avert we can change the you can say sort of destiny or the punishment that is looming on us so the, the the spiritual protection is there it's just that we need to know how to do that and you know as i was mentioning in the holy bible uh, the prophet jonah and his people they were fasting too so fasting is another way sure because you're fasting fasting is only for the sake of allah and there's verse in the holy quran too that by fasting you you will be in the protection of god you know so these are the thing that by seeking forgiveness praying to god almighty and by you know giving some something in charity god almighty can 
you know, would show, certainly would show mercy upon us and he would forgive us and he can save us from many calamities and trials. Okay, thank you very much. Uh, so that, that actually uh, brings me to my next question. Um, we have noticed that um, extensively, even people who did not believe in God or people who did not believe in prayer, I mean, in other words, people who would not put, you know, uh, God in their plans are now calling on God to intervene in such crisis. Um, the question I, was, uh, I wanted to ask, and I believe you have answered a portion of it, is that um, does prayer work in such situations? Definitely. Prayer works, and Holy Prophet of Islam has taught us many prayers. I will just quote a few of them out of many. One, the very first prayer is the, the most famous prayer, which is called Surah Al-Fatiha. That is the very first chapter of the Holy Quran. And we, as a Muslim, we are told to recite that chapter every time we stand up for prayer. So there are many names. As I said, Surah Al-Fatiha, meaning the opening chapter, that is the first name. There, there's one name is called uh, the Surah Ruqiyya, meaning it's like a charm. And there was an incident during the time of Holy Prophet that one king, uh, the chief of, of the tribe, was stung by a scorpion and uh, they did not have any other remedy. So they asked Muslim if anybody have any remedy, anything to recite and he can be healed. So one of the companions of Holy Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, he recited this chapter, Al-Fatiha, and he blow on him or blow on water and give it to him and he was um and he was healed so when they told holy prophet muhammad peace be upon him that this is what happened so he said how do you know that this power this prayer has this power so so this shows that this prayer has that power i will just read out the translation yeah. uh, of this prayer i think that'll be very, the name very of Allah, important yeah yes in the name of Allah, the gracious, the merciful, all praise belongs to Allah, Lord of all the worlds, the gracious, the merciful, master of the day of judgment. Thee alone do we worship and thee alone do we implore for help. Guide us in the right path, the path of those on whom thou hast bestowed thy blessings, those who have not incurred thy displeasure, and those who have not gone astray. So this is a universal prayer, which anybody, regardless of your faith, your religion, you can pray, and God Almighty can protect you. So that is number one most important prayer, uh, which I mentioned. The other prayer uh, just in front of me is a prayer of actually uh, Prophet Jonah uh, when he was in the belly of whale. And... When Allah taught him that prayer, when he prayed, Allah saved him from that calamity when he was in the belly of whale. It is mentioned in the Holy Quran. He said, La ilaha illa anta subhanaka inni zalimi. There is no God but you, holy are you. I have indeed been of the wrongdoers. This is from the chapter 21 of the Holy Quran, verse number 88. So that is another beautiful prayer that we can pray uh, to seek uh, for, uh, you know, forgiveness of Allah and Allah can forgive us. Uh, there are a few more prayers. I'm just you know, selecting 
out of many prayers. The last two chapters of the Holy Quran, they are also very good. And um, and Holy Prophet used to recite those two chapters and used to blow on his body or blow on his hand and wipe his body. And in the in his last illness, his wife used to do that. That he used to recite those chapter and used to blow, um, you know, on her hands, and she would rub the body uh, for the protection. So I will just briefly again, uh, you know, mention, uh, tell you the translation of those last two chapters. Sure. In the name of Allah, the gracious, the merciful, say, I seek refuge in the Lord of cleaving from the evil of that which he has created and from the evil of the night when it overspreads and from the evil of those who blow into knots to undo them and from the evil of the envier when he envies. And the last chapter of the Holy Quran is, in the name of Allah, the gracious, the merciful, say, I seek refuge in the Lord of mankind the king of mankind, the god of mankind, from the evil of the sneaking whisperer who whispers into the hearts of men from among the jinn and mankind. So these are the two prayers which Holy Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, used to recite and used to blow on his body for, for any kind of protections. Then, uh, you know, as I mentioned uh, in my previous, um, you know, your previous question that seeking forgiveness is also a form of uh, seeking protection. Yeah. So, Holy Prophet mentioned that um, if anyone constantly seek pardon from Allah, Allah will appoint for him a way out of every distress and a relief from every anxiety and will provide substance for him from where he expects not. So there are many prayers which he taught. One of the prayer he said, I seek forgiveness from him besides whom there is none worthy of worship. He is living and self-subsisting. He brings others to life and sustains them. I incline towards him and repent. So seeking forgiveness and repentance is, is important. Then um, I would mention briefly two more prayers. These are the prayers of the promised Messiah, uh, and God Almighty revealed to him these the holy, prayers. The holy founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, you mean? Right, sure. the holy founder. And God revealed him these prayers, and these prayers are for protection. So very, very first prayer is, O oh my Lord, everything serves you. So, O oh my Lord, protect me and help me and have mercy on me. That is the first prayer. The second prayer which God Almighty revealed to promised Messiah was during the time of plague in his time. And these are the names of God. Ya Hafizo, Ya Azizo, Ya Rafiq, meaning, O Guardian, O Honorable, and Mighty, O Companion. So these are the names that if we recite, and these prayers, if we recite, God Almighty will have mercy upon us and he will protect us. And I think I think you have a lot of, um, you know, uh, prayers that you could have shared with us, but then um, um, since time um, 
it might not be on our, on our part. We have some other right. other questions also to ask you. So, um, in a nutshell, what what you are saying is that um, since God is the supreme um, being who controls the affairs of the universe, in times like, like this, there are some specific prayers that if we offer, if we right. you know, call on Him. He would uh, intervene and um, you know uh, take us from these kind of troubles. And I will come to um, medication. Of course, we are not discounting, and I don't think that is what you are you you, you mean that we are discounting the use of medication at all. But then right. there are some situations when um, even the medical experts will tell you that um, the doctors who are taking care of some patients will tell you there's nothing we can do now. Just just you know pray to God. And we have seen countless examples. Um, recently, there was a lady, a 90-year-old lady, I think, in, in U.S. who recovered. And the, the, the media interv- I mean, interviewed her, and she said it was her high resolve, and ob- obviously praying to God. And um, I mean, there are countless examples of such magnitude. So this, this actually um, works and since God controls all the affairs, we believe that um, as we take our other precautionary measures, we should also rely on prayers. Um, God listens and God controls the prayers and also the situation. Um, then comes to my next question. Recently in the news, a lady was being um, interviewed. They were in a crowded market and they asked her, why are you not observing social distancing? Why are you not taking any precautionary measure? And then she said, uh, me believe in the blood of Jesus so nothing will go happen. Meaning um, she believes in the blood of Jesus and nothing is going to happen. Is prayer alone enough without action? Actually, it is very important um, thing to understand in philosophy of Islam that uh, before any, not just in this situation, but in any case, the prayer alone is not enough. You have to use all the means before you actually pray. It is just like somebody say, oh, I'm praying, but he doesn't go out to do work or he doesn't, you know, a student doesn't study all year long. And he says, oh, I'm praying to God Almighty. He will, you know, help me to pass my exam. No. You have to study, you have to work hard, then pray, and God Almighty will help or bless your effort and will make you pass. Or somebody has to go out, search the food, work hard, and God will bless your effort and he will provide you. It's not that nobody can say, you know, those people, as you said, I believe in blood of Jesus or, you know, the faith or prayer. Those faith or prayers are, are necessary. But means are also necessary. Action. We have to action. Yes, yes. And it is taught to us in the very basic prayer of the Holy Quran, which I, uh, you know, mentioned before, in the very first chapter of the Holy Quran, where Allah says, "Iyaka nabudua, iyaka nistain." Thee alone do we worship, and Thee alone we implore for help. So in this. Promised Messiah, the founder of the community, he, he has mentioned this philosophy that why Allah said, Allah taught us in this prayer that thee alone do we worship. And then he said, thee alone do we implore for help. Although without the help of God Almighty, we cannot truly worship of God. So he said that 
there's a philosophy that Allah is teaching us that we have to do whatever within our means. We have to come to prayer. We have to do our effort. Then seek Allah's help. Then seek Allah's, uh, you know, divine inter intervention. Then He will bless our effort and He will protect us. And during the time of Holy Prophet of Islam, there was an salam, incident salam. too that one companion he he came to the mosque to pr for prayer. And he left his camel outside without tying. And uh, when he came out after that, after the prayer, he noticed that his camel was not there. So he told Holy Prophet of Islam so, that so. I, I, I trusted God and I left my camel <laughs> because I came to pray. So Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, asked him, did you tie his knee? He said that you have to at least tie his knee before you put your trust in God. So there's a philosophy again. We have to use all of all of our means, social distance, precautions, washing hands. All these things are precautions that we should use. And then you would see that with prayers, Allah will bless our effort and he will protect us. And God forbid if somebody um, contracted the virus, then he or she should use medicines and then continue praying. And God Almighty will bless those medicines and it can help. Uh, that person to heal. So that is a philosophy in any, uh, you know, prayer, not just this prayer, that we should always use our means. We need to make effort. We need to use whatever means, because those means are provided by God himself. Sure, sure. Right? So if we are not using those means that are provided by God himself, we are being, you know, uh, ungrateful to God. And we are just trying to test God. And that is disrespect. We should not test God. Those means, sometimes God provides means because of the prayer. So if you don't use those means that God is providing, then you're being uh, ignorant and stupid. So that is, in, in Islam, it is uh, highly recommended. And, you know, unless there's very special case, for example, the, during the time of Thomas Messiah, the founder of humanity, when the plague came and Thomas Messiah, peace be upon him, you know, foretold the world that this plague is coming many years ago. And at that time, people used to laugh at him that, look, there's no sign of plague and you're saying the plague is coming. And then when plague came, he said that God told me that my community does not need any vaccination. Although if God had not told me, I would have recommended my, my community to use vaccines. So that was a specific, a specific situation that God exactly. had given him a specific direction. Exactly. So in special, uh, you know, when there's a special case and God Almighty says, okay, I'm going to protect my believers, then those vaccines, and he tells specifically that do not use vaccine. For example, God Almighty told Promise Messiah. In that case, he said, okay, my followers doesn't need vaccine and they will be protected. And they were protected. This was a miracle. They were protected. And he said that my opponents who will use vaccine, despite using vaccine, they will die. And that's exactly what happened, that the opponents used vaccine, yet they died. So that was a miracle. So but that was a special case. It, it, it is not the case now. So that's why our spiritual leader has recommended that we should use medicines for, as a precautionary measure to protect ourselves against um, you know, the coronavirus. So each case, is is uh, you know its own merit so you have to see what is the spiritual case that is being put in place
Thank you once again. And um, of course, what, what you are saying is that um, uh, we should not rely on prayer alone and we should not rely on medicine also alone. Both go hand in hand. Whilst, whilst we do, yes. the, uh, we do the, the need for thing, taking the medication, we should also pray that uh, it is God who puts his um, healing powers in the kind of medication we take. And we should not just, as you could tell from the, the saying of the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, that um, before you trust in God, you should do the right thing, tie the animal before you, you trust in God. Don't just mm -hmm. jump onto the, onto the highway and say, I trust in God, no car would, you know, touch me. That is going to be right. highest level of ignorance, so to say. Um, right. We have, we, we have, uh, have about maybe a few questions also to ask you. Um, in Guyana, of course, we know the activities of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community um, around the, the world. Of course, we are in crisis and everybody needs the other person to survive. What are some of the humanitarian activities the Ahmadiyya Muslim community in Guyana is undertaking in times of this crisis to help people who might be in need? Okay, we have done, uh, or we are doing actually two uh, main projects. One is the food hampers. Um, during this time of crisis, a lot of people are jobless. Uh, they cannot work and they have to stay at home. So to help them in this difficult time, we have announced that if anybody needs help, um, you know, we will try our best uh, to help them. And uh, by the grace of Allah Almighty, we are helping and uh, we have started this project last week and uh, we continue to help as many people as possible, although our means are limited too because uh, we have to raise more donation now. So sure. I'm trying to, you know, push my friends and my family, um, whoever can donate. And by extension, you know, we, we, we ask the general public if they want to support and help uh, you know, they can uh, offer their donation, their money so that we can provide hampers. We can uh, provide to those people who probably does not have enough means because there are a lot of poor people, uh, you know, who probably can't earn money or can't survive during this time of COVID-19. I've seen, sure. you know, some people are saying, especially in third world countries, like even in, in India, Pakistan, that there are a lot of poor people who, would, who may die because of hunger. And, before not, and not, yeah, get, even the yeah, disease. Not, not even uh, coronavirus. Before coronavirus, they would die even, you know, with hunger. So we have to look after those people. The second project which we are working on is making face masks. And uh, this will be reusable face masks made out of cloth. And uh, that is to protect uh, themselves protect the society, protect uh, you know at large, so that the the virus does not spread as much as it would without the face mask. That is our second project that we are working on. That is quite interesting. Um, distributing food um, supplies to people who might need it, and also um, you made mention that um, you have given some kind of um, is it a, like appeal, so so to say, um, through the the humanitarian agency that if people have something that they need to, because sometimes um, some people have something to give, but they don't know who to give it to. So if you have agencies like the Humanity First, which um, you are working with, 
then of course they could um, bring those um, you know reliefs and then you forward it on to those people who have been identified as um, needy who would need it. And I think that is something that we right. have to do collectively. As I stated from the beginning, this is a crisis that has come to teach us a lot and a lot of lessons. The coronavirus might, you know, right. be, be defeated, but then the lessons we learn from it would stay with us. There are many things that we have taken for granted over the years. And um, sometimes right, you, right. When, when a person gets out and, you know, from the home, from the house, he goes out, comes back. We feel since everybody is doing it, it is not any favor done, you know, to us. But then once we stay in, like people in China, when they hit the streets after about two months being locked down, they, they, they find themselves as almost like being in heaven. And this is some of the things that um, I believe we can learn from this crisis. Unfortunate as it might be, but then there are some positives that we can learn from it. And um, it is a good appeal that you made that um, people who want to help could, you know, um, send their whatever donations they have to the Humanity Fest. And then as you are on the street all the time, delivering the food and other supplies, it can reach those um, designated people who would need it. And this is what we have to do collectively as humanity. It takes all of us, so to say, it takes all of us to fight this um, monster that has come to stay with us together. If one person thinks I'm going to do it on my own, you will conquer it in your house, but then you step out the next day, other person will reinfect you. And that is one of the things we have seen and we also learned from this um, coronavirus. Um, Imam, Imam uh, Maksud, I have one question which has to be a little bit philosophical. What is the philosophy behind trials? We know this, some of these things might be trials from God. Some of this might be what might, we might call temptations and other things. What, why should God let some of these things happen? What is the wisdom and the philosophy behind it? Yes, that's actually a very uh, important question to address because a lot of people think, that if God is so merciful, why there, there are calamities, why there are diseases, why innocent, innocent people die? Sure. So that question actually is answered in Holy Quran and by Holy Prophet of Islam. So, um, so. You know, uh, somebody can think, well, if religious people, they believe in God and they pray to God, why even they suffer? So this is like one, you know, like a universal question about suffering uh, in general why people suffer, why human beings suffer. So Holy Quran um, categorically answered this question in, in a beautiful way and, and tells us what is the wisdom behind suffering or trials and tribulations. So Allah has uh, said in the Holy Quran, chapter number 67, verse number two, he, meaning Allah, created sure. death and life that he may test you to see which of you is the best in deeds. So this life is basically a test. So in test, well, we could have, we can face very difficult questions or difficult things. Uh, and another occasion Allah Almighty says in the chapter number two of the Holy Quran, verses uh, 155 to 157, Allah says, O ye who believe, seek help with patience and prayer. Surely Allah is with thee steadfast. And we will try you with something of fear and hunger and loss of wealth and lives and fruits, 
but give glad tidings to the patient who when a misfortune overtakes them say surely to allah we belong and to him shall we return it is these on whom are blessings from their lord and mercy and it is these who are rightly guided so this these verses beautifully explain the philosophy or the wisdom behind these trials and tribulations that these are just tests all we have to do during the time of these trials and tribulations or calamities that we have to remain steadfast we need to pray to god almighty we need to seek his forgiveness and that is, that, will, that is will, quite 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 interesting and i you know in answering such questions always i uh, take ourselves to the classroom that when a, a student goes to school a child go to school um right. there are many challenges that they pass through learning and then but there's always one day that they have to put everything they have learned to the paper and that is called a test or examination and right. um if they look at the paper and say why should i be giving such a difficult you know question and just walk out that is going to mm-hmm. i mean determine their failure so in times like this um what you are saying is that um it you know gives us that kind of space to recollect and see some of the things that um we should have been doing and then maybe we just took them for granted but then um it is it is continuing being resolved and also determined and um being steadfast that would um you know let us pass this kind of um trial and temp- i mean tribulations exactly yeah. because you know the last part of this verse is that the glad tidings are for those who remain steadfast Give there will be blessings so mercy right so we have to remain steadfast and that's why we say this part of the the verse surely to allah we belong and to him to him shall we return when anybody pass away you know inna lillahi wa inna ilaihi rajiun these these are the words we say when anybody pass away uh, you know in, in our life or if we hear the loss of life or any other trials then i would like to quote the saying of the holy prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam explaining a little bit more uh, about the trials he said for every misfortune illness anxiety grief or hurt that afflicts a muslim even the hurt caused by the pricking of a thorn allah removes some of his sins or faults so this gives us assurance that every time we we go through any uh, any tough time in our life it could be anything physical or emotional but if we remain steadfast if we seek forgiveness from allah and turn towards allah then allah will forgive our our faults or our sins and elevate our status before i let you go there is this controversy and debate about the use of mask um as a religious leader can you add your voice to it if there is time then of course you can you can give um some other you know reference as you wanted to do okay sure no problem yes uh i believe i've i've been watching these news ever since this uh, coronavirus started you know in china and we noticed that they have been using masks even now when the coronavirus and you know there's no more cases no more deaths they're still using those masks and it was a strict policy in china that they must everybody must use masks when they go on street and we see that this is how they were able to fight the coronavirus 
So I believe why in the beginning, like in America or other parts of the world, we were told, okay, yes, healthy person don't need it. But if you really think about it, that we all need it because a virus can come in our body and we wouldn't know for 14 days because the incubation period is 14 days. Sure. A person could look very healthy and feel very healthy for 14 days without knowing it that he has virus. But for 14 days, he can be spreading the virus to all the people wherever he is going. Yeah. So the best thing is to use a face mask. Now we see that they have been encouraging us to use face masks, to use cloth face masks rather than using surgical face masks, which we agree because we should leave those surgical face masks or N95 masks for the sick or for the medical staff or doctors and nurses. But, you know, we can still use other cloths or, you know, bandanas to cover our mouth and that would be better and safer and it, it can reduce the, uh, the amount of cases significantly. So I personally believe that, yes, it should be encouraged, highly encouraged for people to use face masks. That is for your protection. That is the protection of your community. So it, it works, you know, in both ways. That, that actually makes sense. And I, I also uh, strongly believe um, it was a wrong move um, made by the health, you know, um, experts to saying that um, it is only um, those who are sick that have to use the mask and um, preventing, of course, discouraging the general public from using it. And um, I believe if they had said that um, due to the shortage, we would recommend that um, you leave certain type of mask for the medical staff, but then covering your, your, your face or your, your nose and mouth is important. So even if you have to use a handkerchief, find something and cover it. I believe that would have been a, a, a good idea, idea than discouraging the public from using it until when things get out of hands. We have just about, um, you know, um, one minute to, to go. And um, let, let me ask you to give me your, your, your final words with regards to how um, Islam sees self-isolation, quarantine, and other, I mean, factors in times like this contagious diseases like this okay well holy prophet peace be upon him has guided us uh, for such uh, conditions he said those with contagious diseases should be kept away from those who are healthy so staying at home is actually even guided by holy prophet peace be upon him there's Thanks. another narration where he said if you hear of an outbreak of plague in a land do not enter it but if the plague breaks out in a place while you are in it do not leave that place that is again to contain the virus or those germs within the same area so you know quarantine or self-isolation staying at home is actually already guided by holy prophet muhammad peace be upon him so, so it is better we should follow uh, the the advice of the health officials and stay at home so that we can curb the um you know the spread of the virus Thank you. And at this point, I say a very big thank you, um, Imam uh, Maksud Ahmed, who joined us all the way from Guyana, sharing his thoughts, some uh, advice and some prayers that, of course, um, when we supplicate to the Almighty, he can, I mean, and he will um, take us out of such calamities and also telling us that, of course, the prayers are effective, but then we should not rely on the prayer alone. We should also take 
the precautionary measures by way of you know um, eating well, um, you know um, doing some exercises and other things, taking care of our physical activities and um, observing the rules and guidelines um, by the um, health authorities of our respective uh, countries. So that was um, Imam Maksud Ahmed, uh, president and missionary in charge of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community in Guyana, who joined us today on Voice of Islam. A very big thank you to him and also to you, my cherished um, listeners. Here is all that time would allow on today's um, episode. Until we come your way next time with another interesting episode from the Ahmadiyya Muslim community. Stay safe. We pray that you and your loved ones, by the time we meet next time, continue to remain safe. And as we always say, love for all and hatred for none. Assalamu alaikum. Warahmatullahi wabarakatuhu. May the peace and blessings of God be unto you. Wa Salih